0: G'day and welcome to another episode of the Protect the Asset podcast. It's been created for results-driven personal trainers who want to build an online career that allows them to work less and earn more. I want this podcast to be a safe space where coaches can share their career journey, both the highs and the lows. A space where passionate coaches tell their story and inspire personal trainers to build a fruitful career that aligns with their purpose, visions, values, and goals. I also want to create a space where personal trainers can learn how to build and scale their career in a sustainable way. There is a 40% annual turnover rate amongst fitness professionals, meaning that by this time next year, 4 in 10 will have left the career they were once so deeply passionate about. It's time to stop sacrificing our health and happiness in the pursuit of an unsustainable career path. Personal trainers deserve a career that offers them both freedom and financial stability. Welcome to the Protect the Asset podcast. If you believe personal trainers deserve to have a sustainable career that allows them to work less and earn more, then you're in the right place. I'm going to show you how to have a results-driven personal training career with a step-by-step career coaching framework that teaches you how to build and scale your career without burning out. I'm Stretch and I'm a personal trainer just like you. If you're like me, you relish the gratifying feeling of supporting your clients to reach their goals. But being a high achiever in a helping others live a better life industry comes with perfectionism, people pleasing, shooting and burnout. Being a passionate coach and having a career that gives you fulfillment, freedom and financial stability isn't easy. The problem is, a lot of personal trainers are sacrificing their health and happiness in the pursuit of an unsustainable career path. After working in the industry since 2010, the best solution I found was to build an online career that allowed me to have both freedom and financial stability. If you're a passionate personal trainer and you wanna build a sustainable career that allows you to work less and earn more, you're gonna wanna check out the Protect the Asset Career Coaching Program. It's a step-by-step coaching framework that helps personal trainers feel cool, calm, and collected about their future. Visit protecttheasset.co and start building a sustainable career that allows you to work less and earn more. My guest today is Jordan Travers. At a young age, Jordan wanted to be a marine biologist, but after being in a serious scooter accident, he spent about a year recovering, both physically and mentally. It was during this time, surrounded by healthcare professionals, that Jordan decided to change his career path. A couple of years later, after his accident, Jordan started his personal training career in one of the most prestigious gyms in Australia, Fifth Element. He quickly climbed the ranks from the juice bar to a level three Fifth Element personal trainer. He was passionate about personal training and he was going above and beyond to help his clients get results, just like so many of us. In 2017, he published a book, Man Alive, all about his story and his passion for men's health. By the end of 2017, he was absolutely cooked, bear his words. So he decided to let go of his in-person clients and focus on a corporate wellness program. Jordan is now working as a health and PE teacher as well as running rites of passage retreats for young men. Jordan's passion for health is evident in everything that he does. Jordan shares his story and reflects on what he might have done differently if he had his time again. We talk about the long hours, the endless opportunities, always saying yes, sacrificing his health and happiness for the job, the toxic nature of social media in the health and fitness space, building a brand, and so much more. Jordan also manages to turn the microphone around and ask some powerful questions during this podcast. I don't know why, but I got a little emotional when he asked me why I do what I do. Part of me wanted to take this out of the podcast, but another part of me wants to share it. I want to be vulnerable. I want to be authentic. So I left most of it in there. (laughs) Anyway, I hope you enjoy this podcast. Please feel free to leave a review and share this podcast with those who might find it helpful. Let's get stuck in. Jordan, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Stretch. How are you, mate? I'm very well. Thanks, mate. Um, before we sort of kick into it, the first question I usually like to ask is um, if we were going to sit next to each other on an airplane and we didn't know each other and I asked you, what do you do for work? What would your answer be? Uh,
1: I think it depends on how long I want to talk to the person, but um, <laughs> first answer would just be I'm a health and PE teacher. Um, But I also extend that work into rites of passage work with with young men, um, transitioning boys into into manhood or trying to. um, And I work at a a private school here in Perth. Um, I have had good experience in the health and fitness space uh, pretty much all my adult life. And I was a coach um, up until 2018, um, working in a gym and then worked online in corporate wellness for about a year. Um, and so I suppose that's why you've got me on today is to talk more about that space and less about the teaching aspect.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it always fascinates me, mate, with the people that get on or just chatting to so many different coaches, Um, the diversity in career paths and the options that we have. Um, I think sometimes when we start our career, we can sort of think that we're trapped in the gym and we don't have an opportunity for career growth, but it's awesome to see how much your career has changed over the years. And, yeah, I'd love to hear more about, you know, the career path that you have taken. Um, can you take us back maybe to the start? Where did it all start? Why did you get involved with, health, with the health and fitness industry?
1: Yeah, so um, I actually grew up wanting to be a marine biologist and, you know, be a champion for the vast oceans. I thought I was uh, – I actually remember very strongly – the the moment um, I was in like a year nine geography class and we watched a um, documentary about uh, global warming um, and coral bleaching and like it just really really got me so I was like that's what I'm gonna do and try and save save the oceans save the corals um, but when I was at the end of year eleven so sixteen I was one of the fortunate fellows in my year to have a scooter license a moped license and Uh, Unfortunately, I smashed into the back of a truck at 60k an hour um, and had severe injuries, uh, mainly to my left leg and and also to my uh, larynx. Um, And I had some pretty intense recovery for about a year physically. Um, And then, of course, with with that came a lot of mental health recovery as well. But uh, being around all those different therapists, all the different allied health practitioners, and even doctors, that made me want to go into healthcare. And so I studied biomedical science, um, did very well in that, and was thinking about becoming a doctor, uh, medical practitioner. But I was I was more leaning towards the more holistic health side of things, and I wasn't sure how that would blend. So after a bit of backpacking and travelling, and I went actually over to Melbourne to study. Osteopathy, uh, which for those who don't know is a bit of a blend of chiropractic and physio with their own their own spin in it. But about uh, two years into that, 18 months or so, I actually was uh, working pretty much full time um, as a personal trainer, as a health and fitness coach at a gym in Melbourne called Fifth Element Wellness. Um, and working under Dave O'Brien there, who was, was the founder and the, the owner at the time. Um, And just learning so much and really implementing everything that I had learned with my biomedical science degree and all my self-study with podcasts and books and um, journal articles and everything that I really studied for my own personal well-being. Um, I was really driving that into my clients um, and helping them with great success. I was really doing a great job and, um, you know, climbing the ranks of, of that gym very fast from you know, starting out on the, the juice bar um, just to get my uh, cut my teeth, um, all the way to you know level one personal trainer, and then level two, and then level three, um, and I, I was the fastest. I think I still am the fastest um, person to climb through the fifth Wellness ranks as a PT um, and take on management roles. Uh, so I was really ambitious, really hungry to um, do what I guess everyone sees on social media, and, and that's be a successful personal trainer and make a good income and do what you love. Cause I did love it a lot. Um, but I, uh, and that sort of culminated in 2017 with me um, writing a book on men's health, as well as developing and implementing a corporate wellness program, um, which we were fortunate enough to be able to try with KPMG and Telstra. Um, and I was 25 at the time. And, and again, just sort of, uh, fighting off everything I could possibly chew. And at the end of that year, came to a bit of money and I I just said, I am absolutely cooked (laughs) and I've got to take (laughs) a step away from this. So um, I gave my clients six months notice that I wasn't gonna be doing one-on-one or group sessions anymore, no more face-to-face stuff. And I would be doing, focusing only on the corporate wellness side of things. And I guess try to strike it big in that space because it designed the like the first fully comprehensive holistic program that was scalable so um, we were trying to get you know maybe 100 200 300 people onto these programs um, and we knew that we had the right recipe to change their health and well-being it was a very simple um, strength corrective program with. Uh some very simple like elimination style nutrition programs. Um and then we included some magnesium in there as well because we knew that um not many people have a severe reaction to magnesium, whereas things like zinc um you know you've got to worry about uh coaching them through the, the heartburn and nausea and that sort of thing. And uh, fish oil obviously goes off and, and that sort of thing. So we just kept it simple and we knew it would work, and we had amazing success with our clients. But mate, it was damn near impossible to get into um, anything past uh, procurement and try to prove the worth to you know the, the directors and the executives at these large multinational businesses. So I think we're trying to aim too high, maybe. But um, you know, we did experience some success. Success, but it was just it was about a two-year sales cycle. So um, you know, there's no money for two years, and as a startup, like how how do you feed yourself? So um, I really just, again, I, it sort of just fizzled out. No one said, let's stop. But we both just sort of got disengaged and, and uh, more interested in our own things. Um, and then I was sort of exploring, okay, what, what, what where do I see myself um, in the health and fitness space now? And I was trialing lots of different ideas, um, putting pen to paper on so many different things. Um I was into rock climbing for a great period, and did some analysis on rock climbing gyms. I Even mean, you and I were talking about setting up a movement facility in the lovely space of Byron Bay. Um, and you know, we're we're really close. We we're talking to real estate agents, and we had um, full spreadsheets looking at the ideas. Hmm. But uh, for whatever reason, I I never really pulled the trigger on anything. And um, one thing that did stuck out to me um, was the engagement that I had when I had my clients' kids come in and train with them and I really enjoyed that um, and I did feel like uh, it was frustrating to receive a client to it, given our clients we didn't have to do our own marketing um, although I did a lot of marketing for the business the PTs in the business didn't have to do their own marketing so that was mm-hmm. a bonus but um, I really enjoyed working with the kids and I noticed that working with 50 year old guys, that had sacrificed their health for their career i thought geez it'd be a lot easier if we just got them when they're young um and also the, the hours of personal training were just horrible um i remember you know getting there at 5 30 and leaving at 9 pm and at, when you're in your early 20s like you can do it um but i didn't see myself being able to provide for a family or have a sustainable career um I looked at people who are in their 40s doing that and I, I just thought you're a superhuman there's no way I'm stepping into that space so um teaching sort of kept coming up for me in that space and um in the end I uh got into Melbourne University and studied in my Masters of Teaching and and um then moved more into Rites of Passage work as well so, and I'm really loving what I'm doing now but um here to chat about the health and fitness space and maybe offer some Uh,
0: wisdom some experience and just tell my story basically yeah awesome mate there's so much to unpack in everything that you just said like you've had such a diverse career and you've put your finger in so many different pies in a sense and it's a lot of what personal trainers are striving to do you know we start working at a gym one-to-one we're working for someone else we look at group programs we look at writing a book we look at so many different options and different ways to try and grow our career And I think you sort of hit the nail on the head that we're just striving, always saying yes to every opportunity that comes up, doing as much as we possibly can until we get to that breaking point, um, that burnout. Um, So yeah, I'd really like to talk about that a little bit more. Can we maybe rewind back to like, you know, you starting at did how did that come about? Because like Fifth Element, for those who don't know, is a pretty prestigious gym, probably one of the most prestigious in Melbourne. How did you get that opportunity from, you know, day one, just launching into your PT career?
1: Yeah, in 2018, the year that I wrapped up, they won the best independent uh, health and fitness facility in Australia. Um, So, yeah, it's really an amazing space. And um, Dave's now gone on to his own thing, but he was a a real mentor and role model for me in that space. His his level of knowledge was um, incredible and and continued to grow as I was there. But um, I just happened to drive by. um, I think it opened month before and I just arrived in Melbourne and I walked in there and um I hadn't even uh done any strength training with barbells or anything for years. Um I was really into yoga practice um and you know trying to kick up in their handstands and pretty unsuccessfully at the time. And so I walked in there and Anthony Massino, shout out to him, um absolute legend. He showed me around the space and he was just uh, a level one at the time um and most recently he was the fitness director so amazing how we all grow but he showed me around and there was a sauna and yoga space with infrared panels at the top um the equipment was you know fresh brand new imported from america um they had a real emphasis on um west side barbell equipment so there was a reverse hyper the the trick that we gave everyone when they walked in was to show them the glute ham raise and they're like oh my god this is amazing (laughs) Um, there's a rock climbing wall, a rope from, and this was, you know, 2014. So there weren't many gyms like that in in Melbourne, especially catered for non-athlete general pop. Um, so it was, yeah, it was an amazing space. And I said, you know, that he was trying to show me around to the uh, member. And I was like, how do I get a job here? Basically. He said, you need to talk to Matt. He's the um, general manager. And so I did that. Matt tried to sell me a uh, membership. He does that very well, (laughs) and then um, I was like, "Look, can't afford it. Just a student, um, but I want to work for you." Said, "Um, "Well, you know, maybe become a member, and and we'll see what we can do." Um, So, long story short, I basically bashed down their doors for about six months, and in the end, I said, "Um, "Look, there's this training that I know you really want your um, personal trainers to do before they come on board." Um, It was an FMA Strength Institute certification, um, which is really good uh, for the fundamental three lifts. And um, does any of your other coaches want to join me at this? He basically rang me back and said, geez, mate, you are persistent. So uh, why don't we give you a go? Um, I hadn't even got my cert three and four at the time. So he's like, we'll put you on the juices for a few weeks and and just train you up that way. and, And then, you know, we'll get you on the floor and that sort of thing. Yeah, but I was yeah. on the juice bar for six months, which was, I think, still is the record for the longest time <laughs> any new staff <laughs> member sits on the juice bar, uh, which means I actually really got to learn the ins and outs of the business and how to treat clients as they come in and, um, you know, the administration of mind body online and, and what all that looks like. Um, and I was quite entrepreneurial at the time as well, so I'll, I was actually interested in that space, really into, you know, holistic nutrition, so making juices and, you know, superfood smoothies was actually kind of an interesting. Um, and then, yeah, I started just getting drip fed clients, you know, one and then two and then three. And then pretty soon I had about um, 20, anywhere from 20 to 25 clients at a time. Um, and, you know, that would equal up to 30 sessions a week. Um, there was a minimum of one PT per week at fifth. So, you know, every client spending a minimum minimum of five grand a year there which is you know why it's in the center of Fitzroy it's an expensive area everyone's young professionals so it was a, it was a cool space to learn and, and really grow as a as a PT and we had some budgets for um professional development courses so you know I did clean health I did Boloquin did FMA um was fortunate to go to Ida Portal internships and then met you at the movement camp a few years later so uh, it was such an amazing space to to start my career there. I feel really honoured and, and privileged, but um, you know I also helped grow the business to to be where it is as well.
0: Yeah, definitely, mate. Life skills—you you're probably still good at making juice, mate. You spent so long. Oh, <laughs> <I'm 100%. best. laughs> Yeah, hundred percent. It's funny, mate, because I like I sit here and I think about the comparison of my own career and where I started into into what you've just sort of said. I think the opportunities at Fifth. Um, the education, the, um, you know, the training budget, um, being around coaches, you know, like Dave and having access to Dave it was very different from like starting in a in a commercial gym, you know, a big commercial gym that was, um, here's, here's your targets for the month, just go out and get as many clients as you can and, and keep training. Like, um, it's not about the quality of sessions, it's about the quantity of sessions and you just keep striving for getting more clients and making, you know, the commercial gym more money. I'd like to know a little bit more, like, you know, with 5th and the structure they had set up there, you've already sort of mentioned the levels, and this is the levels within 5th within Element. They've got, like, levels of coaches. How, how did that sort of work? And you, and you said you climbed quickly. How did you climb quickly through those levels?
1: Um, there were some metrics that we had to hit. Um, there was a lot of them, actually. A huge spreadsheet that we had to make sure we nailed all of them. Um, and we worked with a senior coach who would take on a few junior PTs and help them progress in their development. Um, there was everything from, you know, what kind of results are you getting? So you need to have an average um, body fat reduction, body fat percentage reduction, and an average muscle gain over uh, kilograms over a certain amount. Um, you need to have good retention. So, you know, they, they measured that, I forget the exact metric, but retention. Um, you need to be showing that you're showing up to the trainings every week. You need to run a few trainings. So that might be if we went off to I went we went off to a Wim Hof session, um, a retreat and spent seven days with Wim, and then we come back, and then we need to tell the rest of the um, employees of what we learned and how we're going to integrate it into our own practice. So there's there was stacks of different things that they wanted us to do to move forward um, and increase our level and that was basically a pay rise um and more responsibilities as well so sort of mentoring and things like that and I think you know they might have changed I think their their dynamic has changed a lot now where there's actually everyone's a full-time employee um but back then we are all casual so we had to sort of you know, get paid by the hour so I know how that space is for all the people who are running their own business because it essentially was like we were running our own business within a business whereas now they're full-time employees. So things have improved a lot there in terms of, um, you know, the the ability to to have a sustainable career. Um, but in the beginning when I was a startup, it was pretty tough going and we all felt like young entrepreneurs, hustling, ambitious. Um, and it was really cool because we were on the same team, whereas I think a lot of gyms, you know, if you join mm-hmm. Fitness First, you're actually all competing against each other. Mm-hmm. Um, you're renting space and you're you've got a certain amount of, people in the gym that you need to compete for whereas fifth it was actually or how what are you doing with that woman over there to get great results what do you think i should say to my client over here um and there's a real collaboration with that so again just, just amazing um teamwork and, and a place to work
0: yeah, definitely, mate. I love the idea of the mentorship. Um, I, I know there's a lot of gyms out there that offer, you know, that mentorship time with a, a senior coach, um, training the younger coaches up. Um, and I know that, like, you obviously had access to, um, you know, someone like Dave who's got a wealth of knowledge. Um, you, you talked about being paid hourly. So was that being paid only for the hours that you were training clients, or the hours that you were at the gym and you were learning, and all these other parts of the career that went with it? Yeah, so it was only
1: when you're at uh, on the floor with a client so any time you got paid um, so any any program writing um, that you were doing any uh, I guess lunch hours definitely didn't get um, like holiday leave um, there's no sick leave so you know if you call up sick one day you just can't get the money um, and in the beginning I think it was like you got $36 as a level one um, Might have even been like twenty nine or something. It was just, yeah, it was was pretty much slave labor because you can only do (laughs) you only do thirty sessions a week, and that's full time working. You know, that's that's actually Mm. you working for at least forty five hours a week um, on all the other stuff that you need to do, like um, you know, writing programs, like learning how to coach from your mentors, um, like attending staff development sessions. I actually view a lot of the training that we did, like um, our own exercise, I view that as um, part of the work because, you know, if you're not putting in those hours, you're not really developing your own practice and then how are you going to take clients past yourself? And that is something that I neglected. Um, I was more focused on making money and helping people with their results than actually getting my own results. So I really feel um, a bit of regret there that I didn't focus more on myself and my own practice. But um, that's just what I did at the time. So other people were, you know, getting bigger deadlift numbers or developing their handstand practice faster. And that was okay because I was more focused on building the business.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a tricky game, isn't it? It's just trying to balance that and, and figure out how you can dedicate your time, obviously, to a growing your career and earning more money. But that at the same time, <laughs> trying to practice what you preach. Yeah. So, you reflect on it now, and you say that you wish you'd done training. What would you prop? What would you have had to have sacrificed to be able to manage that though? Like, you know, if you're working thirty hours a week with clients, plus you're doing all this education, like, was there time for that? Or,
1: yeah, definitely not. And um, I had I'm still with my partner now, my fiance, and I was with her, you know, all those years ago. And um, I, I think that if I had um, Put more effort into training and business, and work on the business. Like that would have probably failed that relationship because it you know requires a lot of work to to live with someone that you love and you know work on that together. And um, the hours of personal training are already you know counterproductive to a healthy relationship where one of you is waking up at four thirty and you're coming home exhausted at the end of the day, and it's like you don't really have space for intimacy or like. Um, good conversations or anything like that and I, for about a year and a half I was working seven days a week um the corporate wellness program as well um so yeah and and the, I was foolish enough to put my hand up and be a social media manager for a year <laughs> um and that was when I don't know if you remember but like Snapchat was um and Instagram stories were sort of competing with each other and um I know Snapchat's a lot bigger with the younger kids but uh for Back like when I was there, you know, um, I remember Keegan Smith came in and from Real Movement Project and he really um, pumped us up, us young kids, and we were super excited. And I said, you know, I'm going to do the Instagram takeovers and the Snapchat takeovers. And I was basically vlogging myself like for a good six months straight and like how what we do at Fifth Element is so unique and putting hours into crafting these posts about, you know, client shout outs and and um recipe ideas and that taught me a hell of a lot and taught me that i definitely don't want to do social media management.
0: <laughs> <laughs> stick to personal training mate your strength
1: <laughs> yeah i think i spread my t- myself too thin and that's what a lot of pts they have to do it if they're running their own business like it's not just training client. Kind of, it's um there's so much more to it and i think we wish we lived in a world where we could just train the clients and everything else would be taken care of us and of and we can get paid healthily for that but, um, so f- yeah it's very
0: tricky yeah it's so funny that you say that because i think the health and fitness industry is great at promoting health but it really mm. fails to support it and we see that in the way that it treats its staff and it's hard to sort of see is there a better way like you you know we we, we have such a high turnover of personal trainers and to be a successful personal trainer, it nearly is happening to say yes to so many things that goes above and beyond just working with your clients to run that business, to run social media, to understand how the business functions, to look at marketing and how to attract clients. You know, looking back on it now, is there, is, is there anything you think you could have done differently and, and still had the success you had in your career or...? Mm. Look,
1: I think if I put the same amount of effort into building Fifth Element as building my own brand, um, you know, working for myself, I probably could have um, built something more sustainable. I think by the end of uh, my career at Fifth, you know, as I said, I was a senior coach. I had lots of responsibilities. Um, I was probably making about sixty-five grand a year, um, and that was—it's hard to measure it unless you take the full. You know, tax tax return, um, but you know, obviously in the off seasons when it's December and everyone goes down to Torquay or to Mornington Peninsula, and then you're like, well, I can't train very many people at the moment, but I can't take holidays, and so yeah, I, I don't think I could have done much different other than just maybe um, work on promoting my own brand, and yeah, I, I think one thing I would have done was be more certain of. Who I was helping and how I was helping them so um, as I progressed I became more interested in movement coaching um, and less interested in like nutritional counseling um, I was very good at nutritional counseling but the complexity sort of wore me down and um the really complex um, clients were, were very challenging to deal with you know the ones that you know you might need um, and ADAPT certification, work with a holistic health doctor just to truly help out, um, that, those were sort of quite taxing. You don't really get paid anymore more for those, those extra tough clients. Mm. Um, so I think, yeah, just, just focusing more on, on the movement coaching would have been, I think, uh, something to help me with my passions a bit more um, and just focus on what I was doing, you know, niche down um, and, and narrow in what it was that I wanted to do and who I wanted to help.
0: Yeah, 100%. I think that's a big thing that coaches are starting to pay more attention to now, being able to have a niche. Was that, was that something that was possible though when you were working for fifth? Could you choose your clients So you were just allocated, here's your clients, these are the people that, are, that you've got to work with?
1: Yeah, well, we were allocated the clients um, and they were given to us based on our background. Um, so Reza, who was working there, he was very much into his martial arts and um, athletic development. And so he was much more, he was given the clients who were younger, more athletic, and wanted to rehab from injuries. Um, Whereas myself with my biomedical science background, I was given the complex cases and (laughs) the the difficult people like that. Um, And then all the way up to Dave, who he charged the most and had the most complex um, clients to to manage. So, um, and he was able to do that with with his level of expertise, but yeah. We weren't really able to
0: choose, but they were given to us if they suited us. Yeah, that makes sense. At least there was some sort of filtering. um, But, yeah, it doesn't sound like you got much say in who you ended up with, which obviously with your background, you got some of the harder cases, mate, whereas it might have been a little bit more uh, fun to train, you know, martial arts clients or athletic sort of clients in in, in that position. You've already mentioned like having a niche and that would have been something that might have helped you in terms of your career growth and your path and, and, and I suppose following a passion. Did you have a sense of direction when you were back at Fifth Element? Did you know like where you wanted this career to go? Hmm. Um,
1: I think my ultimate goal was to build a holistic um, health retreat centre um, Somewhere in a beautiful location, um, I, you know, with my back, my major background is in the yoga practice, and I remember spending some pretty incredible days um, at various retreats um, all around. And so, I kind of want to replicate that. Um, wanted to replicate that space for other people to, to feel healing and um, sense of groundedness and connection to themselves, to nature, and, and to others. And um, you know, I got really close to that to that space, and um with two other fellows we were, you know, basically doing a handshake agreement to a vendor for a million dollars worth of land in, in um, Byron Bay. Um, but again, that didn't quite eventuate. I think we were all just realized at the last minute they were biting mm-hmm. off a the ball that we could chew, um, or the risks were too high. And I think, you know, with that I spoke to some pretty um who've been in that space for a long time and they basically said look with the wages and the real estate prices like you just can't do it in australia so um you, know, you have to go overseas overseas to, to really give it a good crack um where the what uh, labor's cheaper and you know, the property prices are cheaper but then you got to deal with like okay well, what's the infrastructure like is it good plumbing is a good internet um <laughs> you know all that sort of stuff and like although the dream was was there um as I think as with anything when the dream starts to become a reality you start to the romanticized element of that starts to dissipate and a reality comes in of like oh what's changing the sheets going to feel like every day and what happens when a customer complains to you uh, what happens when you it's a monsoon season and you don't have any client uh, guests for a month you know like all that you really start to to take into account and um, in the end I was just like and teaching just seems like a lot less stress for, you know, a similar amount of financial reward. Not that, that that's everything, but um I do love what I'm doing now. So I think uh, ultimately it's been a good decision so far, but we'll see where um, the retreat dream ends up. in teaching. But yeah, I sort of put that to bed for for a few years now
0: yeah yeah definitely mate it's a tricky thing isn't it when you start taking on bricks and mortar and you start having to employ staff and you know i think a lot of coaches sort of see owning a gym or running retreats as a really good option to grow their career but as you say there are a lot of things that come along with that a lot of extra work on top of you know what you're already doing with the coaches and stuff that were around you do you think you know a lot of personal trainers um have you know big career aspirations
1: uh I do, yeah, especially at 5th, everyone was there because they were truly passionate about it. Um, No one was there while they were studying their, you know, counselling degree or um, finance or whatever, like everyone was there because they were truly passionate about it. Um, And the places where I mingled with other coaches uh, were also, you know, deep into the rabbit hole so to speak where um you know the clean health trainings are, are very detailed yeah. and so you're not there unless you truly love it and with Portel camps, portal camps not there unless you truly love it so i was always fortunate enough to spend time around other ambitious um trainers and it would always um, baffle me if i stepped into like a fitness first or a snap fitness or something and you look around or i looked around and i just thought oh my goodness like where where is this going like I just didn't see any urgency, not urgency, but um, like commitment to, to being excellent mm. and and that always sort of upset me because I was like, they're charging almost the same amount as me, mm. and I am going far over and above anything that they're doing, and the clients are none the wiser. So that was that was an issue. Um, but yeah, I was always fortunate to spend time around ambitious trainers, um, ambitious coaches and and feed off each other. so yeah.
0: Yeah, that's that's definitely got a lot of value behind it, mate. I think when you're spending time with other coaches who have got great ambitions, it's motivating you and driving you to keep striving and keep working towards that. Whereas, like you say, you work walk into some of these commercial gyms and you know the people you surround yourself with. If you're surrounded with PTs and you're surrounded with coaches who aren't motivated, who aren't striving to do uh, you know a better job, then you know you fall into that trap yourself. It's easy to, I suppose, spiral into this horrible competition where it's a race to the bottom nearly Mm. Um, i think it's another really great point that you make our clients a lot of clients just don't know the difference like Mm. you know you're hiring a pt thinking that you're getting an expert and you could be getting someone that doesn't really care about their clients training you for the same price that you could be getting someone like yourself who's put in a lot of work and goes above and beyond to try and help their clients get results I really feel like the, the, the client result thing is a big part of building a successful career. You said just before that money's not everything, and there are so many coaches that come into this career because they're so passionate about helping others live the best life pof- possible, what, in whatever way, shape, form that is.
1: I think you know you bring up a good point. Like we want to do the best as much as we can for our clients, and that can lead us to burnout if we're not. Um Having the impact that we want to actually have uh, as a coach mm. and and I think that comes with career planning and putting those hours into like, okay, you asked me before, what are you gonna do as a coach and how are you gonna achieve that? who are you actually trying to help like these really important questions, especially if you're running your own business, I think are just essential because otherwise, like we're just gonna have resentment towards those pts who aren't um, giving their clients the best when actually we should be making ourselves better we should be reaching out to those clients that we know that we can help really well and offering them a service that we know is going to help them um i think being clear about all of that from from who am i as an individual to how am i going to help others are the most important
0: questions i think that's a big part of the failure in the fitness industry to to ask those powerful questions we're striving to work with our clients but we're not really focusing back on the personal trainers maybe what they want and how they can grow their career and do the best job possible how can they help their help their clients for sure i think sometimes as a as a trainer we can feel stuck we can feel like so much is out of our control like okay i want to build this career but where do i even start and I think that maybe even the trap that you might've fallen into yourself of, of saying yes to so many different opportunities and working yourself into the ground. What advice or what insight do you think you can give now looking back on your career that might help those trainers who are feeling stuck in that position?
1: You can't help. Like you can't succeed in this space by doing it alone whether that's like a mastermind where you're just collaborating with other coaches who have similar values, similar intensity of ambition um, or even a higher <laughs> intensity of ambition. I think that's really, really important. Like some of the most, uh, the, the, the biggest development periods I had was when I was surrounded by mentors, um, you know, whether that was Dave, whether that was Keegan Smith, theo Portal, like being really interested in um, what the best of the best are doing and actually going spending time with them. Um, that's really, really important. Like, you do need a coach
0: to be a better coach, if that makes sense. Yes, I agree with that 120%, mate. <laughs> of course, <laughs> they <laughs> <laughs> do. Not just from the career coaching aspect side of it, but. When I look back on my own career and I think about all the certifications that I did, all the workshops, all the books I read, all the podcasts I listened to, everything that I did, what delivered the most value out of everything was hiring a mentor or was hiring a coach. Mm -hmm. I learned so much more from the experiences I had hiring coaches than anything else or any other part of you know, my, my career growth. So I strongly agree with what you're saying there. What led you to choose those mentors or how did you find those mentors? What advice would you have for you know coaches looking for mentors?
1: Hmm. Um, ask people in the know. Like I was lucky that Keegan was a friend of Dave's. Um, so he came in and did a, a group session for, for all of us and that was helpful. Um, and I joined the Real Movement mentorship program, which is a year-long uh, mentorship, um, and and that was really helpful. Just as a, as a young PT, like um, becoming clearer about what I was trying to achieve, and even just uh, yeah, I remember being hyper ambitious and spending time around hyper ambitious people, which is good when you're young. Um, I think having some gratitude for the achievements that you that that one does have as they go through their career is really important. I was um, suggested by my boss, um, Matt, to like, mate, you're flying through this career so fast, uh, which is cool, but how about you just stop and smell the roses for a second. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I think, how how do do you find them? Like obviously Instagram is is a good way to find them. It's also a horrific way to spend time. (laughs) (laughs) I think like, Podcasts are really good when you listen to a guest of someone else and just getting the vibes from other people. Yeah, I think it's it's just exposing yourself voluntarily to the best in the industry that you possibly can. Um, and don't put limits on on what you can do or what you can set goals for.
0: Yeah, that was really important. Yeah yeah very good advice mate i really like that in in terms of you know finding mentors asking around investing in your growth Um, i think once you've got that sort of sense of direction you know maybe who you want to be as a coach even understanding that niche or the type of clients you want to train, that can start to help you, you know, narrow down the mentors that might be able to help you choose mentors that you aspire to be like. Mentors who are working in your niche, um, mm. mentors who have got the same sort of beliefs and values and philosophies that you have, or you want to create with your clients and with your career. So that's always um, definitely a good thing. You know, this. I want to
1: of- ask you. I want to ask you who has been pivotal in shaping your um, career. Like, who are the mentors that you? Sort out and, and what
0: was that influence on them that's okay that's a good question I mean Poliquin was a huge mentor in doing the Poliquin courses but off the back of the Poliquin courses one of the best coaches I ever had was Derek Woodski so he taught us the Poliquin level two and when we finished myself and my colleague josh at the time when we finished that level two we asked him if he would coach us write our training program so we invested in in his uh, his coaching and just to have access to him writing your training program was huge in itself but to be able to ask him questions to bounce ideas off him to seek his advice like josh and i trained with him for a good two and a half years um you know and it was just incredible like it was the first time i'd you know i'd had a coach with such a wealth of knowledge that could help us not just with training but with supplementation with recovery with questions about our clients it was just huge so um yeah i'm truly grateful for that opportunity and before that i had worked with a guy called brian mckenzie um, brian was setting up crossfit endurance and i was competing in triathlons and marathons so uh, we went from the typical training 20-plus hours a week, running, cycling, and swimming, to, you know, doing sort of 10 hours a week, combining strength training with high-intensity intervals and then the long, slow-distance stuff as well, um, and seeing our times improve. And we were also working with Brian remotely, so that was our first or that was my first experience of online coaching, um, which was the first, probably one of the first things that sparked my interest about, like, okay, how can he coach us online? How are we going to do this? Um, and it just sort of grew from there, I suppose. Um, Ido's another mentor. You know, I trained under Edo for a year and had him um, write my training programs. I think also, in a way, my colleague, Josh, because I think like you said before, it's great to have ambitious people around you. It's great to have people who are pushing and striving to be better. If it wasn't for him, you know, I probably wouldn't have signed up to some of these coaches. I probably wouldn't have, you know, left the commercial gym, probably wouldn't have opened a gym. like having him there beside me the whole time and him supporting me, um, holding me accountable to the things I said I was going to do. And also, you know, there was a competition between us. We, you know, a friendly competition wanting, you know, to do better. So I think that was a big a big part of my career growth and my career success, um, not just the coaches I hired, but the people who I worked with and I surrounded myself with.
1: <laughs> I also want to know, um, aside from the, like, if you weren't getting paid, what you do, like why you actually trying to help people, and you know we protect the asset. Trying to help people, help people. Like, what's the driver for you? What's the real thing? Your heart of hearts. Like, why do you do what you do?
0: I think like when I first became a personal trainer, just like everybody else, there is a passion to want to help people. And when I started getting results with clients and seeing the impact that I had. On their lives it was working with those people and and seeing the transformation that you could create and the impact that you had and it, it what 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 was driving me more than anything else was how can you help more people? So going like going from the commercial gym to to the PT studio was a chance to to take on more clients to to be able to train people the way I wanted to train people. I also thought it would be a great opportunity to meet more coaches, more like-minded individuals that would help, you know, me gain more knowledge, gain more experience and become, you know, a better coach. Um, unfortunately, the PT studio didn't. It was still full of coaches that were there to make money who weren't there to take care of their clients. And it was obvious in the way that they they trained their clients, you know, no care, Um so the next thing was the gym, and the gym was again the next opportunity. It was okay. Now I can go from working with twenty to thirty clients, you know, a week, to now working with hundreds of clients a week and having a much bigger impact on the health and well-being. So that's where the gym initially came from. It was that motivation, um, and the gym was great. Like you know, it gave me goosebumps to stand on the gym floor and just think about the impact we we're having, um, the community that we're creating having people come to the gym just to hang out and spend time with their friends and the benefits of just training were coming from the community of people just being there which was you know incredible um you know going online um was another opportunity to potentially help more people um but like you say it's just one of those things where you can push yourself so hard and you can and you can can keep striving to try to do everything in your power to to help others but if you can't help yourself, um, your career is not going to go far and you are going to burn out and put yourself in that vulnerable position. And how can you possibly show up and be a coach and inspire others and, and help others live the best life possible if you can't do it yourself? Um, and I think that's where the health and fitness industry really fails. Um, and it's a real shame because there are so many passionate coaches out there who are striving to do a great job, but they're not being supported. Um, by the industry and the career coaching idea is to yeah to support coaches um, and again it's another way like if I can support coaches and help other coaches build a career that's sustainable well then it it, it flows down it's it's them helping more people and it's and it's a combination of the work we do um, yeah so that's my that's my emotional answer, mate. <laughs> uh, yes. It's you. tough when I, I sit down and think about that because, like you say, just get so passionate about it. And I
1: just want to say thank you for going there and
0: diving into that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure I can use that on the podcast, though, mate. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, part. <laughs> <the best part. laughs> yeah. Now I'm going to try and gather myself, mate, so we can uh, get, back to, uh, <laughs> get back to the conversation.
1: <laughs> well, like, I just want to say, you know, we've trained together a lot we've um, practice and um, our physical practice next, next to each other a lot of times. And um, they're some of the best moments I've had because I'm like, Stretch, what do you reckon about this? And then we'll just offer like an insane amount of wisdom in, in my rest period. And it'll like you tell me a story about you know how how you learnt the thing that you're teaching me, and and you just offer it with such humility, mate. And and I really do see your passion and your care. Um, Never asked me for a dollar. uh, Just quite the amount of um, you know wisdom and insight and gifts you've given me. So I think it's very clear that you're in it because you love it, mate.
0: Acknowledge you for that. Cheers, man. I appreciate that. I think, like I said, I just think it's one of those things like you just aspire to do your best and I don't, like the competition that comes with the, within the fitness industry, it just, it just um, it's just not needed. There are so many people in the world that need our help and, you know, it sounds like a, a, a great environment that you had at Fifth that was supporting each other and, you know, you had each other's back, you were open to sharing advice, you were open to share your training programs, to talk to each other about what was working and what wasn't working, and I just don't think there's enough of that in the fitness industry. Um, everyone's competing, um, competing for clients, competing for price, competing for who knows what, whatever it is. But it's just not an uh, not an industry that is uh, encouraging, you know, um, growth. I suppose, in a sense.
1: I think the most toxic part. For me, was actually the the um, inadequacy I felt while looking at social media. Um, that that was the the hardest part. I think one of like it would have contributed fifty percent to why I left. I think like the fact that I had to be on there to promote myself, um, and it was the person who yelled the loudest got the best clients. Like that was horrible, um, and. You know, when you when you hop on there and you see, but, so I'll speak from, from my own perspective, like I, I did see people who were really uh, humble and generous and um, just having fun, um, but the bulk of what I saw was people competing um, and whether or not, you know, I don't know what it was about me, but I just couldn't um, subject myself to that space um, and, and keep good mental health, um, and I knew that I just had to, to exit that um self promotional aspect of it. And I and I know that um for you that doesn't come naturally and for and me it doesn't come naturally. It's like I just wanna share stories and be real and um and talk from the heart and, and tell it how it is. I, I don't wanna have to figure out what hashtags work the best and which emoji to place where and how to how to tell the right things. And I don't know, I haven't been on social media much last few years. I don't know if it's changing or getting worse, but um that's, that's what was a big contributor to me, the toxicity of spending time on there and, and involuntary time, you know, waiting at a bus stop or whatever it is. I wasn't just, you know, sitting there and enjoying whatever the moment was. I was scrolling through and just mm. mindlessly doing that. And it was really a, a positive emotion that came from that.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's definitely overwhelming, I think, stressful and frustrating. And and coaches are waking up every day thinking about what they're going to post. Like you know, it's it's become this this nearly like a necessity. Like I have to be on social media to be to be successful. Um, But it all just again, it takes away from it. It's like, well, how do you define success? What is a successful career? What are you striving to to achieve? Um, So I think we really need to be careful about you know our social media. Use, But I love what you say about you know, showing up as an authentic coach and coming from the heart because um, there is a lot of uh, questionable content that gets put out there on social media and it is a very toxic environment, um, as you say, yeah for sure. You, you mentioned that like that was 50% of why you left, left, the, left the industry. What was the other 50%? A
1: good chunk of it was the hours. Hour, like I didn't want to do that. Um, My dad uh, was awesome, and he he sacrificed his health and and life for his career, and provided an amazing life for us. And um, you know, to the point where, like, I don't actually have to do that. And he was away a lot. Um, He didn't spend much time with his first and and second-born sons, Um, and I didn't want that for myself. I I just really wanted to be there as much as I could for my my kids, and. um, but I do have them, still childless at the moment. <laughs> yeah um, enjoying it while I can. Um, yeah. but yeah, I think it was it was that lifestyle of um, obviously you train clients when everyone's not at work. Mm. And so that means you're up early and you finish late. And then you gotta do all the other stuff in the middle of the day, like your admin and you know, feed yourself and maybe you can get a nap in there somewhere, or the dog or whatever it is you have to do, like. That was um, just a lifestyle and the structure of how the profession was operating. They're like, yeah, the first two to jump out, like just the self promotional marketing aspect and and the hours commitment. I, you know, I still love um, offering advice and, and sharing just for free, just insights on, on uh, training and nutrition.
0: Yeah. No, I think that's probably what uh uproots so many coaches is just the hours from the outside looking in we can think that being a personal trainer is you know a great job you get to hang out at the gym all day and train clients but the reality of it is 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 sort of far from that like you say it's working around everyone else's nine to five giving up or sacrificing a lot of your own life it's sort of funny because at the start you were saying you know you're training businessmen who are you are sacrificing their health and well-being for their careers but in reality, you know, personal trainers are doing exactly that. We're sacrificing our own health and well-being for our career, um, and it's a big sacrifice to make. You also reflected ahead, saying that you know you you were looking at the coaches in their in their forties, or you're looking at the coaches in their in their old age, thinking of like how could how can they be doing this? Like how can how can they keep that up? Do you think that the personal training industry is sustainable in terms of? Those jobs, working, you know, for your whole career.
1: Like no, is the answer. Um, I don't think in the current format. I think um, these people who I'm thinking about did um, start their own business and um, you know put a lot of money into it um, and and risked everything to do that. Some have been more successful than others. Um, I think the big thing for ones who've done really well is they've actually created their own personal brand. Mm. So the, um, you know, Dave O'Brien um, is potentially you know, more valuable brand now than, than Fifth Element Models because he he separated himself from that. Um, you know, I looked at the metrics on social media. I don't know that for sure, but for him it is at least, and he's managed to promote himself as that. I know that you know your brand, your personal brand, is um, much more beneficial to you than the brand of your gym. Uh, in london so i think to be able to um build that brand not necessarily promote the brand but just establish what you're about get re- um, reputation with the client base and I, I think that's the biggest thing like dave does not even know how to send a text message let alone you know send a, uh well he didn't at the time i taught him a lot um, let alone you know put an instagram post up and i think um what he was so good at was just getting epic results and as you say people are waking up and they're asking what do I post today not asking what the hell am I going to do with this client that I'm just struggling to get into the gym three days a week or they're constantly relapsing on on their nutrition program like I don't think many people are asking that as hard as they are what's the best hashtag how do I when do I post what do I post like that's become the main paradigm not how do I get the best results and you know Dave to his credit he spent all his time and energy focusing on getting good results
0: Mm. dedicating your time or making sure you're dedicating enough time and energy to building your brand and building that brand to position yourself as a specialist who does deliver results because it's like that saying just be so fucking good they can't ignore you and Mm. if you are good at what you do you know, really, that social media content should create itself. It shouldn't be a stress about what you have to develop, what you have to post, what hashtag you have to use. It should just be so freaking good at what you do that you can't be you can't be ignored. Um, and then that way, you shouldn't have trouble attracting clients. And if you yeah. do want to build a sustainable business, you know, you, you can do that because you've got the brand or you've got the skills, the reputation, everything that you need to to be successful in that career. Um, Is there any other insights you think you can offer now or looking back in your career, like you were talking about social media media being toxic, the gym setting, probably not the best way to build a sustainable career for that longevity. Being able to build your own brand, you know, there are three big key points I've taken from, you know, our conversation today. Is there anything you want to add to that, Jordan?
1: Oh, I think probably, you know, emphasising and finishing off, um, just be better at, at the actual job that you're employed to do, which is get results for your clients and help them through, what is a very um difficult journey emotionally? Uh, you know, how many times have you had clients that actually break down in tears in front of you? They're going through crap at home and you know, they have self-worth issues and like you know, we all have self-worth issues, whether or not people want to admit it or not, like how how much is it buried? That's the mm. question. Um, and so like invest in that um, emotional development aspect as well. Um, yeah, get really good at at helping people with their nutrition, supplement, training, and get really good at you know coaching and counselling through this life journey. Um, some days are up and some days are down, and that's just the way of being a personal trainer. Like often we see these people more than their best friends. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's really important. Just to finish on, just be epic because you know if you're really really good, you're the best person in your neighbourhood charge 150 bucks an hour you only need to do 15 sessions a week and you're actually living a very comfortable life. um and you know if you're not someone who wants to you know sacrifice almost anything get a million followers and have a, an online program that's, that sells um that stuff's temporary as well like if you're invested more into the get rich quick stuff but you actually investing less into the one-on-one coaching of, how to be freaking awesome at what you do. And I think like, oh shit, like don't compare yourself to others. Like just be better than who you were yesterday, you know, Jordan Peterson, rule number whatever. Like that is that is one of the biggest things. It's like, um, I was definitely comparing myself all the time to other people on social media. Because who do you follow on social media? Follow people better than you are. Mm. <laughs> so <laughs> Like I was always thinking I was crap, yeah, but people were following me and thinking I was awesome, but I wasn't paying attention to that. Mm. I was paying attention to my own inadequacy feeling of inadequacies relative to the people that I was following, um and that definitely contributed to me feeling um like I needed to leave the profession, yeah, I think focusing on your own craft, just loving the craft, developing that um. That's the way to do it for sure. Because you know, you and I both know um not personally, but Ben Patrick, knees over toes guy. Mm. He was behind closed doors for 10 years, working out his um, you know, process. And only in the last year has he really stride in his program and, and helping people that way. And, and you can tell his passion to help others and they're rarities. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't always assume that you're gonna be that guy. Yeah, no, I think be happy with a sustainable income that you're content with, and don't need to try to overextend yourself. Like that's yeah, love what you do. There's a lot there, but you know what I mean.
0: Yeah, exactly, mate. (laughs) No, there's a lot there, and I loved a lot of what you said there. It's like we're not trying to be influencers; we're trying to be coaches, and we're trying to help people. Really help people. And I think how you show up is definitely important. I also love the way that you mentioned the emotional transformation because I think a lot of coaches are focusing on the physical transformation. And if they're not getting physical results, we can beat ourselves up about it um, and say that you know we're not good enough as a coach. But underlying, you know, we can really help clients um, at such a deep level in terms of that emotional transformation, you know, giving them more confidence, giving them more self-belief, allowing them to feel better in their bodies and who they are. Um, which is something that, you know, we're lucky to have a career that can have such a positive impact on people. So I agree that we've just got to keep striving at what we're good at and we've got to keep pushing to be, you know, a little bit better than we were yesterday. Um, And if we can do that, then, you know, if we're so passionate about it, I'm sure we can turn that into a sustainable career. Um, Jordan, before we finish up, I, I really want to just reflect maybe on some of the stuff that you're doing now you know, with with the teaching of kids and with the rites of pas- passage stuff, you know, can you talk to us a little bit more about that and um, maybe some of the the things that you've taken away since you've changed careers and and, and gone into that now?
1: Hmm. Yeah, uh, so I'm a teacher, um, but I think a lot of teachers go into the profession because they love teaching their subject, whether it's maths or science. For me, I just actually love hanging out with young people and um, building a relationship with them and becoming a role model or mentor. And so I've been really fortunate the last um, 12 months to work at a school in a a really um, amazing rite of passage program, a three-week long journey that um, these year nine boys go through. And um, it's just been really rewarding. Um, I'm going to be moving to a different school soon and developing, helping them over the next few years, maybe develop some some of their own rites of passage work and just making their pastoral care programs more integral and holistic. Um, And outside of schools, um, I'm really passionate about men's work and and sharing circles of um, retreats in that space and wearing uh, Good Blokes Co. shirt. Um, So if you're in Perth, make sure you check out Mikey B. Good Blokes Co. He's um, done some amazing things uh, for for men. Just being a good bloke. Um, It's all about just sharing the hard stuff in life, like you went there today, and um, you, know, you shed some tears about about what it means for you to do that stuff and i think we need to be more courageous in that space. Men need to be more vulnerable in, in sharing about um what life is really like you know good stuff the bad stuff um, take off the mask and just having a chat really and I think that's what I'm always striving to do. I feel like um you know growing up and um becoming a young professional I was putting on a bit of a mask and the last few years I've started to really try to take that off and just speak honestly and and, you know without preparation like I didn't do any prep for this podcast just speak whatever comes to my mind and Hmm. trying to teach uh help the young fellows learn about that themselves as well I don't do any teaching this work it's more about letting guys um Share what is really on their mind. Um, the only thing I do teach them is sort of vocabulary on how to share in that space, and and also like just um, honouring and acknowledging each other as as men and into um, women too, women to men. Just really giving praise to each other. I think there's this thing in Australia where we often put people down, but you know, there's no harm in saying "I love you" to someone that you barely know because you probably actually do love them. Um, and you know telling them why you love them is really
0: important, yeah. Mate, that's powerful and um it's really great to see how your career has evolved and where it's taken you and you know from the early days of working as a personal trainer you can still see the passion that you have for helping people live a better life um improving people's health and fitness whether that's physical or mental and to be working with kids i mean what a great opportunity like you said like you said earlier you can you can get to them at a young age hopefully you can uh, save them from sacrificing their health for their career Uh, powerful stuff mate um Thanks for jumping on today really appreciate you sharing a little bit of your joint journey and um you know sort of tapping into all that sort of stuff and i wish you the best for your teaching career and for um all the work that you're doing mate it's awesome Didn't stretch thanks for your courage i hope you enjoyed this episode of the protect the asset podcast i'd be grateful if you could leave a comment add a review and share this episode with those who might find it helpful Thanks for listening and I wish you all the success and happiness with your personal training career.